Welcome to the Equine Body Talks podcast. We'll be diving into the equine industry from the lens of a body worker, talking to other equine professionals and discussing scenarios around soft tissue work for all equine athletes. I'm Kim Krebs, your host. I've been working for over two decades in this industry as a loper, barn manager, and body worker. With the many horses I've worked with in all of these capacities, it has driven me to want to continually find out the why and the hows of equine biomechanics, health, and performance. To help these athletes achieve their best potential while limiting the wear and tear on their bodies. This podcast is dedicated to opening the conversation around equine wellness, diving deeper into the whole body approach for equine performance horses. You're going to recognize our guest today from last week, Emma Baldwin. In last week's episode, we talked about bodywork from an owner's perspective and discussed that relationship between owner and bodyworker. Today, Tina's going to go through a case study with Emma on a horse they ended up buying in order to give it a second chance. Now, she'll introduce the horse and talk about his specific case, but to prep you a bit, if you've never heard of kissing spine in horses, That's the pathology Emma's horse was diagnosed with. For those listening who don't know much about equine anatomy, this is going to be a super simple explanation. A horse's spinal column runs from its skull down to its tail. Each vertebrae has its own unique shape, depending on where it sits along the spinal column. But they each have generally the same components to the bones themselves. We're going to talk about the spinous processes of the thoracic vertebrae. If you can imagine a mast on a sailboat, how it sticks up from the body or hull of the boat. That's essentially what the spinous processes looks like on the thoracic vertebrae of the horse. Thoracic meaning the chest or rib cage area. So the thoracic spinous processes will be underneath the back, directly where the rider sits. Normally, there is a space between each of these spinous processes, and it's supported by muscle and ligaments. On a horse with kissing spine, those bony processes come together and touch, or kiss, bone to bone, causing significant pain. A number of factors can play a role into why a horse develops kissing spine. The horse will exhibit some degree of discomfort and pain from not wanting to flex or extend the back, lack of performance, to explosive bucking or other behavioral changes. There's different treatments for kissing spine, with surgery being an option depending on the severity, but ultimately they all require a rehab program to be able to return to a comfortable existence and back to a riding career. Diagnosing kissing spine is up to your veterinarian, and often with history and x-rays, they can make that call. If you suspect after listening to this episode that your horse is affected, we highly recommend you have a conversation with your veterinarian. All right, we're back with Emma Baldwin again, and everybody loves a great case study story. And um, you guys met Emma last uh, podcast when we were speaking to her about how to be a great client for your horse and understand what to do with the exercise program. So we asked Emma if she would go through a case study with us on a horse that she received, um, well, bought, um, that had kissing spine. And of course, kissing spine 
spine seems to be uh, a little bit of a buzzword right now. And a lot of people are really seeing it as the literal kiss of death. Like I've yeah. had several clients that have, um, you know, phoned me in a panic and they've got the diagnosis that there's some kissing spine and, you know, the, it's they're feeling like it is over. And of course, there is some pathology at the point where kissing spine is not uh, workable for the horse anymore. But this is a fantastic case study about um, Emma and her husband that did the homework and really worked hard to bring this horse back. So Emma, can you introduce us to uh, your uh, horse name, Stoney, that you have? Yeah, we got Stoney in May of 2020. He is a 12-year-old Bayron gelding that, yes, did get given the dreaded kissing spine diagnosis and unfortunately the people that had him didn't feel that they were equipped to do the rehab that he needed so we did take him before he was going to go to a different place. Excellent <laughs> and when when you received him could you yeah. give us like just the overall picture just paint us a little picture of what um, Stoney looked like um, just you know just yeah. the overall postural or picture of what he looked like. Yeah, he was quite inverted, and by that I mean like his neck sat a lot higher than his withers. Um, his back was really, really, really dropped, and his movement was very shuffly. Uh, he didn't really cover any ground when he went anywhere. And re you could really notice how far out his chest was from his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you went to look at him, just, um, I know that you do a lot of rehab cases and, and this is one of your specialties that you are working on and have completed the Equinology Bodywork course because this is something that you want to go into as a career for other people. But when you looked at him, what, if you were to describe like a little bit of his temperament and like how did you decide that this horse was going to be one that you were willing to take on versus, you know, some of those horses where you think to yourself, wow, that is a project that maybe is not for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> to be honest, when we brought him home, we just kind of took the chance on him. Um, he, his demeanor was not great. Uh, we had to keep him super separate to every horse we had. He would charge the fence. He was trying to beat up all the other horses. Um, one of the biggest reasons that I actually took him was we came from such a great recommendation from our farrier who did know him previously and said that this horse isn't like that. Um, that was really the only reason that kind of pushed us through because overall he was not in a great place <laughs> mentally. Yeah. And I think that's a great point because when we're talking about these case studies, it's always fine, fun to hear about a, a horse that made it through and is having a um, great experience. But um, that's something that I know you brought up in our other podcast for people to watch is that when there's a significant temperament change, mm -hmm. um, you know, that you know that there's a pain factor. So yeah. when you saw those temperament things, were you really thinking that he was like that his major thing was how much pain he was in? Uh, we were hoping that, yes. <laughs> um, that it's hard when you don't know them. Right, because you don't know they, how stoic they are. What like is he just a diva? Was he gilded late? I don't know. Right, um, mm -hmm. all of those things. So he was actually a big one where we kind of said, you know what, we're gonna have our vet Cairo out, Dr. Peterson. We're gonna have a bodywork session, and we're just gonna see where that takes us. And I'm not gonna put more. If things are going well, we have a budget in mind where we 
what we can spend to help him. But if we still don't love his temperament and he's not going to fit in at our place after this, we're going to have to look at other options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a great point coming back to a points you made in the other podcast about setting a budget and making sure. Yep. Because, you know, it's easy to get resentful of those horses too. And then you have something sitting in your pasture that you just don't want to, you know, deal with because you've become resentful. So Emma, sometimes when you're out there and you tell a friend or you're at a horse event and you say you have a horse with kissing spine, you get 25 opinions on what you should do with this horse with kissing spine. There's this article written here. There's that written there. There's a billion things. And honestly, even for someone like myself, I get articles sent to me by clients all the time. I read them. You could read 10 articles with 10 totally different opinions about what's happening. How do you decide as someone that now has done several horses and brought them back to health, how do you decide who to listen to? And not that you're going to say you're, you're bad, you're good, but how do you take all the information and like bring it in so that you can actually be able to have a program? Yeah, the biggest thing for me is having people on the horses wellness team that are going to work together and follow the same thought patterns. And because if, and to only kind of really ask those people for an opinion, especially in the beginning stages, because there's so much information out there. And if you ask a hundred people, you're not going to get the same answer back. And then everything's going to get so muddled to the point where you don't move forwards. Right. Yeah. And I think for me, I've seen it in, and Emma, you, you and I have had a client together um, that you had brought me that, you know, you get going down a path and it's starting to work, but then you hear this from somebody. So then you kind of veer off the path a bit and then you're back on and off and on. And it does really make it confusing to figure out how to keep going and how to do the right things. Do you equate that a little bit to what's happening with the horse? Like, do you stick to one thing and then say to yourself, okay, this is or isn't working before you veer off a bit? Yeah, and that's a great question, right? If somebody gives you the rehab program, you have to give that program a great chance. And that doesn't mean one week. Right. That means two months, three months. If after that kind of time frame, you're really not seeing any changes, then and you've had an open conversation and you're still not happy, maybe then you need to look other areas. But to yeah, you can't go and ask a hundred different people because you'll never get started. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think then you're right. You get pulled in so many different directions that you mm-hmm. don't even know where the start line is. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think there's so much information out there, which is great, but then there's so much information out there, which you know, is one guy's thought that worked on one horse one time, you know, and it makes it really confusing, I think, for a lot of owners. Very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, kissing spine, for those that are out there that haven't done any research on it, um, of course, there's many different levels of it. But if we're going to talk about Emma's horse, Stoney, um, do you remember, Emma, which were the processes that were touching together? I think there was three spots, if I remember looking at the x-rays correctly, yeah. that you had three spots um, where the, the tops of the spinous uh, processes are actually coming together and touching. I want to say T13 to 17, but somewhere right in that somewhere region, right which in there. from what I've read is 
quite common in most yeah, horses. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Quite common. And and for those of you looking at your own horse's back, that would be where, you know, the wither is coming down into the back and the back is hopefully starting to flatten off. But if you were to describe his back to us when you first got him, where the wither came down to meet the back, there was a very large concave It was dip. almost like a triangle shape. Yeah. 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 And he was definitely one I took a before picture of. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Yes. First you went and saw your veterinarian or you had the x-rays brought to you from the people that sold them. I can't remember how. Oh yeah, we were lucky that they had the x-rays and they were wanting to us to have them too. Oh yeah. good, excellent. Yeah. Okay. So that was good. So then who, who was the first team member that you brought in on Stony? Dr. Peterson. Yeah. Okay. What was her role at the very beginning? Because I'm sure that yeah. role has has gotten bigger yeah. as you've realized that this horse was changing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so we did initially send her the x-rays um, so she could go over them before she came. And the f- when she came, we were initially thinking maybe a chiropractic adjustment, but that changed very quickly and we did a mesotherapy on them. So mesotherapy is where we're going to do the injections uh, in the horse's back and um, different practitioners do it in different ways. Some people use a little bit more of a prolo type therapy. Some people use a little bit more of a um, agitation underneath the skin to get circulation, but the whole uh, goal of it is to bring uh, circulation to the area. So what did you notice after your mesotherapy session? Uh, It took about 10 days because they say up to two weeks before you start to see a change 10 days in his whole personality changed like we could put him in with other horses he was quiet he was calm anything we wanted he doesn't running away from us when we went to catch him it was one of the biggest changes i've ever seen with that therapy was there any uh, postural changes or any like outward changes just yet or it was mostly emotional that that really made you think that there was so much change mostly emotional she we were left with a rehab program from there too so we had started with some basic tummy lifts and he had very weak stifles when we got him as well so just on that program so yeah we were starting to see some of those postural changes but the biggest change was the personality cool which was good because that was the point we knew okay we can help this horse it was Mm -hmm. just pain right and that and that's such a big thing when it comes to some of these horses because even people you see this before it's such an issue as Stony had like you see that people in the barn you know their horse is turning around to nip them and they mm-hmm. you know they say oh that's just Sally she's cranky she's a this she's a that you know so those things I think are absolutely key for owners to be able to pick up on yeah oh yeah and for me any behavior that isn't happy in our horse I'm on it yeah yeah so then what was your next team member that came in to uh, start to work it was you, Tina. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Okay, and yeah. we, we did a lot of work on the back, but we yeah. also had a big pelvic focus at the beginning because he had been in pain for so long that it actually had started to, to change the shape of his pelvis, and he wasn't able to move uh, behind with both hind legs equally, which then, of course, starts creating its own onion of problems, right? So what did you uh, what did you notice then after your body work and, and kind of... Where, where did your program start to build um, and where you started seeing actual physical changes with him? Probably about a month afterwards. So right probably before we came back to you again. Um, he was on a very strict physio program, no stretching program at home. Like we stretched him three times a day. 
Yeah, every day, seven days a week, especially for the first month, because we really wanted to make that change and see where he was going to go. Right, because you had that time frame yep. in mind that you wanted to see. And did he start getting more into the exercises? Like, did he start to be more of a participant? Or how how did that kind of work where, you know, you started noticing that his body was able to do more? Oh, definitely able to do more towards the end of the month. As far as happiness goes, no, he kind of started to dread it a little bit where it just got harder, right? We're pushing for more and more. Um, but we did kind of make him push through that because it's if you want to make change, sometimes it's going to be a little bit of pain first. It's almost right. how it was. Yeah. He did also have a chiropractic treatment probably in that first month again, too. Again, too. Yeah. Um, and so how would owners, other people that are listening to this story that maybe have a horse with kissing spine or even another pathology, mm-hmm. um, you know, when there was that hard spot for him where, you know, you said like, you know, you got to push through, bud. Because you're so great at watching for their emotions. How did you decide that that was doable for him to push through versus he's hitting a wall, I need to back off? Oh, and I guess in some stage we did back off where we would say, okay, so we'll do this rep of stretches in the morning, then at lunchtime we'll do this one, and then maybe again in the evening we'll go back to these stretches. So we backed off in that sense where we weren't pushing everything out of him in one session. For me, it's just that if you... If he was going to change, he had to kind of take what was going to get thrown at him. Right. And it wasn't to the point he was biting or that he just kind of looked like, ugh. Right. Yeah. Like like he was uh, hadn't used that tissue for so long that it was really hard for him to (laughs) figure out. Yeah. And what about coordination with him? Because I remember the first time I saw him versus the next time I saw him. Yeah, at the beginning, he he seemed to be really unsteady, like and and maybe was in, uh, not so much unsteady, like he was wavering around, but hitting the ground with his feet so hard because he didn't have any stability in his body. Like, what did you notice with that? Well, we're pretty lucky, and we kind of rotate our pastures, so we just kept switching it on him. We didn't let him stay in the same footing right. for longer than four days, and then right. he'd change again. So yeah. you were challenging his nervous system, challenging his proprioception Constantly. with yeah. how he had to put his feet down all the time. Yeah. Oh, every, like, yeah, every four days we switched it. Yeah. And I think that's huge because a lot of horses go from, you know, the flat stall to their flat paddock and the flat arena, which again, if you're in a stabling environment and you don't, you know, that's the scenario, that's fine. But I think, you know, with you really looking at that proprioception and him being able to steady himself, I think that brought that horse along faster and it's another good point for you to look around your stable and see where where else you can walk your horse besides the flat the flat the flat you know or even if they could switch the paddock right it's going to be slightly different right Right. and then maybe if i know it's not always possible but just something so it's not always the same right if you walk up the same set of stairs every day you know how to do it right exactly exactly really challenging that Mm -hmm. nervous system yep And so when did you guys decide to get on? Because, of course, the first bit, now this horse, we maybe didn't say quite at the beginning, but this horse was bucking the rider off that you got him from. Yes. um, And had some really explosive times uh, where he just, the spines came together and the horse just blew. So when did you decide that, you know, it might be an opportunity to think, or even before you answer that question, how as the as the strength built in his back what what made you think that you were going to be able to get on him before we ask about getting on him 
To me, that was the personality change. Okay. There was no way I would have gotten on the horse we first brought him. <laughs> no. Right. But yeah, he just became so, so quiet. Right. Yeah. From then I was like, okay, this was pain. And you could really, by the time we got on him, you could see the changes. Yeah, his back had lifted significantly. Definitely not to where it even is now, but significant changes everywhere. And he was stronger. Like we could, when we're doing the stifle tail pulls, he wasn't almost going to fall on top of us. Right. So yeah. that stability, yeah. that core tissue was really changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so then back to the first question, how did you decide that it was safe to get on? We did a lot of ponying with him as well with the saddle on. So whenever I would trail ride, he would come to just to get him out there, seeing other things. Super quiet. Didn't spook at anything ever. It just, they tell you, like, they can't really give you a definite answer for that. We just got back one day. He'd already been ponied, so he was kind of warmed up. And I was like, he's ready. Right. Yeah, yeah he just had that demeanor. Yeah. Like, he was ready. Yeah. Um, and then, so some people then, uh, Emma, when they get, so they get their horse back to getting on. So whether it's a back injury, leg injury, you know, and then, you know, they, they want to ride. We all want to ride so bad that they just then say, okay, well, we can get back on and off they go riding. So tell us a little bit then about how his program would have changed from three, to, three times a day of exercise therapy to how did you bring in the rides? Well, he's still three times a day stretching at this point. Um, and for us, whenever we've done a rehab case and started them again, we almost start them like they're colts. So it might be a two-minute ride. That was great. And then the next day could be four minutes. But really gauging where they're at rather than, well, I want to go for a ride. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and what did you notice with fatigue level when you were doing the exercises on the ground? Once you added in the rider weight... What changed or did anything change with exercises on the ground? Like sometimes you notice that, you know, they become a little bit more unstable once you challenge something new. Did you, did you pick up on anything there? Uh, yeah, he did get a little bit unhappy about the one particular stretch that we definitely had to do for him. Again, we just pushed him through it. Um, that was really the only change. We weren't riding him right again it might have just been a two minute ride like for us it was also about the mental where we have to have a hundred great rides before we can start pushing right, this horse because right. he's been through so much right yeah right okay um and then so where is he at now like are you this fall i mean i know it's the middle of winter right now but this fall you know give us a little bit of his success story where what was his best best ride out that you've had with him Oh my goodness, he came a long way. He was in the mountains doing four to five hour trips. No wow. problem. Wow. Yeah. And then you no got him, problem. just to just to refresh for everybody, you got him in May. Yeah. And you stuck to a very strict program with him. Mm -hmm. And here we are late fall and he was able to go for a four hour ride in the mountains up and down hills. Yeah, with no issues. Wow. Better than that's... I've seen some other horses do it. Wow. Because yeah. that's pretty incredible because that horse, it was going down hills where he would just let loose and, mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. uh, buck somebody off. So that's pretty incredible. Posture wise then, so when we're dealing with kissing spine, we're trying to lift the back up enough that those dorsal processes push away from each other and they're not impinging. What do you notice now when you see him out in the field? What does he look like uh, if you were to compare him to his old self when you got him in May? Oh, he's not even the same horse. <laughs> and I'll be honest, my husband does slack off a little bit on his. He's not much of a winter rider, so he's not where he was at the end of fall. But 
his body is holding really great. It's so lifted. Um, our vet actually does want to take x-rays of him again to see if we've oh. caused the separation. Yeah. To cool. actually happen. Yeah. Cool. For me, that's just like the get goosebumps on my arm kind of thing, because I think, you know, it really shows that you could take a horse that was headed down to, you know, be to the glue factory, I guess, mm -hmm. if we want to say that if we want to just be blunt, right? Yeah. To a full riding horse. This is your husband's horse now. He's yep. kind of taken him on under his wing and, and loves him a ton. The really fun part of what Emma just mentioned to me is that, you know, he hasn't had as much work and he's not regressing back to where you saw him. And that really tells me that you guys have created the muscle memory and you've retrained that muscle to hold a certain amount of resting tone. Whereas before his resting tone would have brought his back all the way back down to make those um, dorsal processes of the spine touch. Now you've retrained his body that his resting tone has his back up. So yep. for me, that's phenomenal because that horse now could have time off and not revert right back to where he was. Which is crucial for us because like I said, my husband doesn't go out there and ride four days a week in the winter. So right. it was great to see that he can hold and we understand in the spring before he goes back to the mountains, he does have a little bit of work to do to get him there. But it's not going to be like it was last year. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. What an amazing case study, I think, to highlight what you can do as an owner, but also to remind everybody that every horse is an individual. So make sure that you have your evaluations done on these horses. Make sure you look at exactly what's going on and work with your team to be able to understand where to get to. And then if you're not somebody like yourself, Emma, that can do it three days a week, maybe send the horse to someone like you that can get it done. Because I, I don't think, would you agree with me that if that horse would have been done once a day, four days a week, that you would have saw this change? Maybe, but not in, not how we did in the short space of time, right? You just have to be more realistic with, okay, then maybe it's going to take a year. Right. Yeah. And I don't want people to think like this horse still has a bit of a ways to go. Right. In the sense of picking up the canter for him is a little bit sticky. He doesn't love to. We had moments where he was just like, oh, I'll do it. And that was great. And then the moments where he's like, no, I can't. So we weren't, we haven't even now eight months in, haven't got him hundred percent but it's definitely in the right direction yeah cool yeah. cool and makes you feel like you can get to that a hundred percent yeah oh it's there yeah who we just have to push a little more. yeah keep yeah. going yeah keep going that's awesome well hopefully everybody enjoyed hearing about stony i mean i know it's one of the great success stories of being able to stick with the program get your team members in place and uh, be able to really follow through uh, with that program so emma again just for people that uh, want to be able to look you up or if they did have a horse that they would like to have um, come to your facility to start into a program. How can people find you? Uh, yeah, we're on Facebook at Barry K Stables, or you can just look up my name, Emma Baldwin, and send me a message. And we would love to help because it's what we live for is rehab. <laughs> this was perhaps one of the most drastic cases that I've ever seen. This horse literally made such a huge change in such a short amount of time because of the dedication and effort put forth by Kurt and Emma, along with the team approach that they bring to all their horses. 
The photos of Stoney's before and after are going to be posted on our social media so that you guys can see the major changes that Kurt and Emma were able to achieve. We'll also have the contact info for them available in the show notes and on our social media so that you can connect with them. As body workers, one of the biggest complaints we hear from owners is about back pain. And back pain can be a factor for a number of reasons. It doesn't always mean kissing spine. But if the horse is not getting the improvements it should, we highly recommend you ask for another team member, namely the vet, to be called in to perform the proper diagnostics needed. Once a diagnosis has been determined, it's then based on that evidence that we can help with soft tissue modalities, exercises, and stretches in the rehabilitation process. Thank you for listening to the episode. I appreciate each rating and review you can give to help grow this podcast and ask that you please share it on social media and with your friends. Reach out to the social media pages on Facebook and Instagram under Equine Body Talks to know about upcoming episodes and to connect with me if you have areas you'd like to have discussed or guests you'd like to listen to. All of our episodes can be found on my website at krebsequine.com and our Equine Body Talks YouTube channel. Remember to always be an advocate for your horse and not be afraid to open the conversation around your horse's wellness team.